Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to an Arab brother who we can't identify about multiplying movements across the Middle East. When I came to faith, I began looking for an environment that would help me grow in my walk with God and actually help me follow what God's been, what God's calling me to do and what God was already doing in my life. So I came across a group of people who met in a home. They actually, all they did was they read the Bible, they prayed, and then they began to encourage each other to live out what God is saying to them. So I began doing that, exactly doing that with them and saw phenomenal growth in my life where I felt that I needed that group to help me grow more and more with Christ. But then I realized that I have a group of family, I have a group of friends, there are people that live in my neighborhood that I know that do not have or have not had that experience in their lives. So I began talking to a lot of them, and we started meeting at home, and our group grew to almost 20, 25 people. And they were all interested in knowing more about what God says, because we're, we haven't been, in our, in our community, in our culture, we, we don't talk about religious things. We talk a lot about everything. We talk about politics, we talk about problems, we talk about what's happening in our country, but the things of, God or talking about religion is something that we never bring up. So it was something that intrigued people. So I, and you're in a, a Muslim majority yeah. country, and but mm-hmm. from a one of the historic Christian traditions, right? So there's both of that. There. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And in that group, was it a mixture of people from a Christian and Muslim background? Yes, it was. It's a mixture of people. I mean, the Middle East in general is around 95% Muslims. So you can't really hide from Muslims. They're all over the place. Um, There are, of course, minorities of Catholic Christians. Um, Evangelical Christians, on the other hand, are the minority of the minority. Mm. So um, there, I mean, most groups, you're gonna see a mixture of people who come from Catholic backgrounds or Muslim background. Um, But the group that that I first started had a mixture of Catholic background people and Muslim background people. And of course, uh, the Muslim background people were more interested because it's something that, I mean, to them it's new and, um, you know, you're talking about the Bible, it's something that they've never read, they've never, you know, they want to know more about that. And and so the groups that we began, what, what we started later on were mostly among Muslims, simply because they were the, the most thirsty people. Um, that's not to say, of course, that a lot of Catholic or a lot of Christian background people aren't thirsty for God, but it just seemed that a lot of the Muslims in the area were more interested in knowing what. And so <clears throat> you just gathered together friends and neighbors yeah. I mean, and started reading the Bible together. Yeah. The Middle East in general is a very relational culture. So most people know a lot of people, you know, and, and you know, people talk a lot and they like gatherings. They like discussing things so saying to them hey let's get together and read the bible wasn't something 
that difficult. It was something actually that, you know, the first answer would say, sure, I want to do that, you know. And so that's exactly what we did. We started gathering together, um, sometimes at home, sometimes uh, outside the house. It's, it's fine. Cafes, whatnot. That, that also, we did that too. So um, it would be just a gathering to discuss what the Bible says and how we can live it out in our lives. So, so what sort of impact did that have, that, that first group with the people with a Muslim background? Um, how, how did they respond to what they were learning? Um, what was what's interesting in, is that in a lot of the groups, the main thing that attracted people and impacted them, of course, it was God's word, but it was actually the answers to prayer. And every time we would meet together, the, we would ask the main the, one of the, the most important question for us is, um, what is bothering you, and how do you want God to help you? So they would share. Um, problems that they're going through. Some of them are going through financial problems. Other are, uh, you know, fighting a some sort of a sickness, or some of their family member fight, is fighting a sickness. So, you know, the first thing we'd do is like, okay, let's let's pray, let's pray about this, and we would pray about this. And then the next time we'd meet, they, you know, they'll share how God answered their prayers, and that would just encourage everyone in the group. It would encourage them also, which made them, which encouraged them even more to come to the meetings and tell other people about coming to this meeting or starting another meeting or another gathering. So that was the main thing that it truly impacted the group. It was how God answered prayers and how God moved in their lives. Mm. And what sort of change did you see in their lives? Did some of these folks with a Muslim background start following and putting their faith in, in Jesus? Well, the thing is, there is there in the Muslim culture, there there are no jokes about following Christ. You know, you can't do it. Um, you you can't follow Jesus and hide it. In a sense, people will notice that something has changed in your life. Um, so, a lot of the men, for example, who would come to the Bible studies, married men, um, in in Islam. If you ask your wife to do something and and she disobeys you, you're actually supposed to beat her, right? And so one of the main things that happened is that their family relationship completely changed. So you see men who are more, much more, much kinder to the women. You see uh, children that are that are really more obedient actually to their parents so you see that the go- you see how the gospel impacted their family life you see how the gospel impacted their lives at work um, one of the fr- one of my friends who came to Jesus let's call him Hassan he actually began living the gospel in his uh, work so they would be sitting and they would be uh, you know at work and be talking about someone or saying something nasty or um, being horrible to someone at work and he would just uh, ask them not to do that and they would all of a sudden they, they, it was like they would say something like but you were doing that with us you know mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago and then that would would be the, the 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 one of the best opportunities for him to say yes but this is what happened with me this is how god changed my heart etc so you can see how god god is changing their lives because they're living it out at home they're living it out in their workplace and in the community and in the meeting as well you see they they they're much kinder now they're um, they're much loving. They want to help each other. Um, the Arabic Muslim culture usually teach, teaches you that if you want to succeed, 
you actually have to step on your brother, you know? You have to put everyone down. But, you know, that kind of began changing in their lives completely. And is that how the groups or new groups would start? Someone like Hassan would uh-huh. uh, connect with workmates. They'd be asking what's going on. Exactly. And then he would go, well, is that, you tell me, is that yes. how it would spread? That, that's how, it, that's one of the ways it spreads. Um, the, the, the Arabic Muslim culture is actually, it's not like in the West. You don't have your private life much. So a lot of the stuff that you do, people can see you from their windows, you know, in a sense. So um, that actually gave Hassan and other people the opportunity to live the gospel. And living the gospel, living what God is asking him to, li- to do, you know, like living that life, that holy life, was one of the main triggers that actually started these movements. People would see your life changed and they want to know why. It's that simple. Um, Hassan, for example, at his work n- now has uh, over two groups of people who all want to know how to be like him, in a sense. And so he would be sharing the gospel, doing Bible studies. It's because they saw how God impacted his life and how God changed his life. So that's one of the main things. And, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Arabic culture is very relational. So people know a lot of people. That's, that's the thing. So I come to Christ, my family of 10, for example, or my, uh, my friends or my cousins or whatnot. I mean, there, there's a lot of people knowing me, that know me and that spent time with me. And uh, we would often uh, uh, meet together after work. And so you can't hide away your faith. It's, uh, it's one of the triggers that started the, uh, the, that movement. And um, what's also important to note is that a lot of the groups, you know, start with family members and friends before it's not like people go out to different neighborhoods and they want to reach people that they don't know they start with their own family and their own friends or their own network of connection and that basically expands it and makes it grow if if this is happening so freely and openly um what dangers are there in terms of uh pushback from the Muslim community. When we have people killed, we hear a lot of those stories. I mean, we have two examples of people who were uh, shot and stabbed um, because of their faith. We have people tortured. I mean, myself and other people were beat. I mean, we actually experienced uh, um, persecution that also almost killed us. We were coming out of a Bible study, and you know, we were surprised by a group of people who. Um, attacked us on the streets so there are persecution and there is that uh, effect on uh, on openly sharing your faith Um, so the thing and there are certain places in the Middle East where we work where people have to be very careful Mm. how they share the gospel Um, but in the main area where we're working what's causing the movement is that people are being very open about how the gospel is impacting their lives. So I think part of it is being wise in mm. how you share your faith with people. And then part of part of it is being careful on knowing who to speak to and who to open your life to. You know, sometimes God gives us that wisdom. Mm. And so yeah. So in 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 some places there's the freedom, there's still persecution, but right. there's reasonable freedom to right. be open. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where the groups are spreading because these conversations are happening. Correct. And then in some areas, you need to be very careful because it, it could lead to prison beatings or death immediately. Correct. But wherever you are, it sounds like there's always that risk mm-hmm. that someone will, not, not even a government official, but someone in a, in, in a neighborhood will decide we're going to do something about this guy. Right, exactly. Okay, and what's it like to live under that sort of pressure, to the thought that you, I could be walking out of the Bible study and I could be attacked? Um, if I went speak about myself personally, mm. it definitely gives you the, it makes you feel aware of your faith, but it also makes you feel serious, you know, not feel just, but you're, it's, you're serious yeah, about this, mm. you know, no one would lead a Bible study in a primarily Muslim neighborhood without, I mean, with the, there, definitely there's someone, there's a calling on your life, but there's that seriousness that you always tend to feel and realize when you actually go to these neighborhoods. So a lot of the people are, that mean, I want to give the example of Hassan because I work closely with him, with him and he's a, a Muslim background believer. And Hassan knows that he could die any second mm. because of how open he is about his faith. But he also knows that there's no way he can make a change in his community unless he's open about his faith. So there's that awareness, but there's also um, the realization that you might actually be killed any second now. You know, there is that constant um, opening and realization that actually my life is on the line here. Um, I don't know when when someone's going to, you know, uh, gather a group of people and wait for me to come back from work or something and attack me. Um, and that, that we've seen that happen multiple times. So it, it does give that feeling of, um, of, of, you know, you're, you're serious about your faith, which also suck. It might stop certain people from wanting to follow Jesus. And, you know, the gospel talk that Jesus himself talked about this. Um, but I mean, we've seen people who, who followed God for a while and then realized, wait, this is too, uh, this is too much for me. I don't want to risk my life. I, you know, I'm just going to go back to my old life. We've seen that happen. Um, but, I mean, the people who are making a difference are people who are ready to actually put their lives on the line. Mm-hmm. And this is happening across the Middle East? It's certainly happening in at least 14 countries we're working in the Middle East. Um, there, there are places that are more open, that's for sure. So uh, there are places that are much more closed, and uh, we don't have to talk much about that because there are places where sharing your faith or when the gov- if the, even the government knows that you're a Christian uh, would automatically put you in prison. So uh, that these are the places I was talking about where we have to be very careful in how we share the gospel and how open we are with the gospel. And we have to be wise, know who to talk to. But there are other countries in the Middle East like the country I come from, where you can be very open about your faith and people would actually want to listen to you and they want to know more. So it depends on where you're working. And so I wouldn't say this movement is happening Mm. all across the country or all across the Middle East. There are certain places where God is actually doing something in, especially places that have been affected by the war. Mm. It's uh, People are are more open now to, they went out of a complete 
they made out of dictatorship now and they're thinking, they began to think, they began to question. And that's giving us the opportunity to openly share the gospel with them. But there are places that are still closed. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say this is happening in, in that area, but there's definitely groups that God is opening and starting in those closed areas as well. So what are you learning about how God works in, in multiplying movements of disciples? We usually, the main things we've, we've learned so far is that, um, especially in, in, our, in that, cult, that specific culture, having an access ministry is one of the most important things that we have learned. Uh, finding a way to bless people, finding a way to uh, show people God's kindness, God's love, and making sure they know that you're not doing this out of religiousness. You're not doing this because you're a good person. You're doing this because Jesus asked you to and because Jesus lives in your life, in your heart, and he's, he's kind of ruling your life. That's one of the main things, actually, that we've been learning recently. When in our community, we do a lot of uh, a lot of relief work, and uh, we visit people, we we pray with people, we we talk to people, and that just shows them how much uh, we care for them, and therefore how much God cares for them, because they know we're Christians, they know we're follow Jesus. Um, the other thing we learned is that God works when we pray. So that's the other thing that we we often uh, do a lot, whether we pray before we go out to ministry or whether we pray with people. Uh, praying is very important and um, praying and believing that God will actually answer prayers. It's not, we learned that if we actually go to anyone and ask him, if you, would you like me to pray for you? Uh, almost no, almost, I don't even remember a time where someone said to me, no, I don't want you to pray for me. People would always say, yes, yeah, sure, please pray for me. Well, how can I pray for you? Pray, pray that God would do this. And so we'd pray about this and then God would answer that prayer. And, uh, and so people began to, it intrigues people and they, they become curious to know well, if God is answering that prayer, then your God must be the true God. And this is how usually the conversations start. And um, also what we also learned is that God works through relationships. And so movements mainly happen because we invest in so many leaders and they invest in others. And, you know, that, keep go that keeps going and going and going. Um, when I first came to the Lord, uh, there was a man who invested in my life. But, you know, after a while, I learned that I have to do the same as well. And so I have a, a bunch of people that I spend time with, I do ministry with, that I invest everything I have in these people. And that's basically what's keeping the ministry going, what's keeping that movement going. And the access ministry gets you and the workers in the proximity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then so there's love demonstrated there's prayer and answers to prayer, the invitation to discover through reading the scriptures, so the power of God's word. But then the disciples don't have access ministry. It jumps then mm -hmm. from your access ministry into the community, right. and then it launches beyond um, you know, that particular project. Is that right? That's correct. And once it jumps, it launches through their relationships, their network. Mm. We usually always, almost every time, we look for the most 
influential person in the community. So for example, in one of the places we work with lawyers or uh, mayors of the city, we try our best to look for people who have the most influence and we target these people to share the gospel with. Hassan's father, for example, is a judge. And so he has that influence to go to the, you know, there's different tribes in where I live. So they, he would go to these tribal leaders and share the gospel with those people as well. So what's happening is one of the leaders come to Christ, one of the community leaders come to Christ. And then all the people now um, are wondering why did this person come to Christ? And they're now interested in knowing more about this and so they join the discovery group to find this out so what's happening is once we start with access ministry we mo every, almost every time target the most influential people in the community and work with those people so that we can reach the rest of the community and what we also learned is that um, make sure you're not doing the ministry um, with that community make sure you're uh, discipling and training that person himself to reach out the community because that's going to be much more influential and much more effective. Uh, Hassan's father, as I mentioned, is a judge. And so he's the main guy doing the outreach with the tribal leaders. He goes to their place, he drinks coffee because that's a traditional thing or tea. And then they talk about, about the gospel and about, about Jesus. And then they, he, he invites them to discover what God is saying to, to him, to, to them. And so they go back to their families. They do that with their families and their families do that with their neighbors and their neighbors do that with the other neighbors. And there you have a movement of discovering God. And what we do is we, then we then mentor these leaders and mentor these people. And, but the main work is actually on the, those leaders in the community to reach out to the rest of the neighbors. And they understand even better than you the security system mm -hmm. uh, and, or, and, and have the relationships, if they're a person of influence, exactly. to be able to work around that. Exactly. So there is as little uh, disruption in the exactly. community as possible. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, with the tribal leaders, to be, to be honest, there isn't a an entity or a person that is higher than mm. those people in that community. So persecution, if persecution were to come, it would come through the tribal leaders, but because, we, because we're working with them, we're helping them. So there's a lot of access ministries to these guys. We, we, look, we looked for ways um, to help them and bless them. So it's not always materialistic. Sometimes we uh, just spend time with them and listen to their problems, for example. And that would be our access ministry because we're visiting, we're, um, we're, we come from a different city, so we're listening to them and they, they want to talk more, they want to share more um, about, about their personal life. And so we would be listening to them. And then at the end of our talk, we'd say, can we pray for you? Um, and we do. And that kind of shows them a lot of care and love. Um, so that's basically the main the main strategy that we often follow, and we make make sure they're the one doing it because we, we, once they come to Jesus and once we they're discipled, they're they're out there doing doing the work. They're out there reaching to people. They're reaching out to people. They're out there gathering people and doing. Uh, um, children's camps, for example, is what some of them do. They gather children and um, they worship with them and they pray with them. And they're the tribal leaders of the place. They're the, the lawyers of the place. They're the mayors of the place. So they're very influential. People listen to what they have to say. People, uh, people often are if, uh, are influenced by their words and life. Um, 
which brings uh, some sort of a movement among the, the culture. And then after you've identified those key insiders, your role switches now to, well, in one sense, your role continues to mm. serve and resource them mm-hmm. to reach their community. That's, that's completely true. Yeah. Yes. So what are you trusting God for across the Middle East? What, where, do you, where do you hope and trust that this, this movement will go? We've seen that move, movement start in certain places in the Middle East. We truly hope to see that happen in unreached, close countries where the, we haven't yet seen a big movement of God uh, take place there. Uh, God is already working in those places. We, we acknowledge that. And we've already seen people come to Jesus. But we haven't seen it yet a movement of people who became disciples of uh, who became followers of Jesus and who've been reaching out in a great number to other people. So we're really trusting that God would open the right doors for us. And uh, maybe we need, uh, we still need to look for the, that person of influence in those other communities to, um, to disciple and to help uh, reach out to his community. So we're still trusting that God would open the right doors for us in certain closed nations to see a, mo- a new movement start not just in one nation, but actually to, among these 14 countries that we've been working with in for the last uh, 10 years. Any estimate or, or good enough guess mm-hmm. in terms of how many groups are, are gathering throughout the Middle East that you're in, aware of? How many people? Yeah, well, it's it's really difficult to, to say exactly, but we can give an estimation. Um, of uh, at least we're talking about 8,000 groups among, uh, I mean, and not just in one place, but all, all over the, uh, these 14 countries. Um, and of course, there are countries that are much bigger than others that hold more groups, but we're talking about 8,000. Hey, if you're enjoying the Movements podcast, uh, why not leave a review on iTunes or uh, give us a like on Facebook. Love to stay in touch. Bye now, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.